You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. This was it. Another episode of this podcast. Another chance to introduce myself and talk about a piece of shit movie that I would have been better off not seeing. It's kind of funny. You probably wonder how I got here. Well, it all began 12 to 13 years ago, or <laughs> however long we've been doing this goddamn thing. Time is nebulous. It's real. It's a, it's a real mess I got myself into. Hey, folks! Uh, always fantastic to be here. I'm excited to do another episode, and I've got nothing negative to think or say about it. Yep. Yeah. This was... I will say the only good thing about this movie is that me and Ben ended up watching it together. If I had had to watch this by myself, Ooh, I would not have is, made it. This <laughs> I would have, kind of, uh, have fast-forwarded through so much of this movie. I mean, some of you probably clicked on this episode and were wondering, like, this this isn't a movie they're talking about. I would have heard of it. I know about movies. <laughs> um, and I would be... I would, th- this was much of what Pogues and I said to each other over and over again, <laughs> because... When you get a movie, uh, it's directed uh, by, uh, by... The Kid by, from a Christmas Story? <laughs> the Kid from a Christmas Story, who was... Ralphie? Who produced Iron Man, uh, <laughs> and and it's got Vince Vaughn, Bill Paxton, Haley Steinfeld, Jonathan Banks, Terrence Howard, John Favreau. I mean, you think this must have been something that at least was made fun of somewhere else in the world but this is a movie that even if you like looked up term life review a you'd get a bunch of insurance yeah <laughs> insurance reviews just all people then, talking about met life and then if you corrected it to be term life movie review you'd get like a youtube video with like nine views <laughs> that's like, the only people who are aware of this movie or that it exists i mean if i if i googled term life movie and then uh, uh ter- term life blu-ray and then like looked up images i bet you I wouldn't even find like a shot of it no i, I yeah no <laughs> yeah it is weird it's like you essentially have to look up like you have to type in term life movie and even then it's still like a dice roll oh i, I found an ebay listing for a five dollar copy of the blu-ray so uh ooh. too much <laughs> too much who is fucking hunting for this anyway uh, for those of you that missed the minisode, we're talking about an, a fully abandoned graphic novel adaptation, um, kind of noir road trip attempt. <laughs> also, folks, you were not yet. wrong. This was indeed produced by WWE Studios. Oh, it was? Okay, there was just so um, many WWs at the beginning yeah. of this thing, because it was also like Western... And that makes even less sense, because, like, where was the... Was one of those guys a wrestler? No. Then why would they make this movie? <laughs> like, the only time they make movies is to, like, put themselves... You know what I mean? Like... Uh, one of the cartel guys is a mixed martial artist. Does that count? Okay, I guess. Maybe that'll do something <laughs> for you. Uh, so for those of you that are still confused with the fuck we're talking about, Term so Life was was a fully abandoned crime noir story that they tried to uh, release and like they filmed the 2014, sat on like a goose egg until 2016 when they like weekly re- released it straight to video in like two theaters. It made like it made like seven dollars and then it disappeared into the ether and Pogues and I blew the dust off of it. <laughs> and had us a watch. I can only imagine, like, um, 
do, do you know that scene? And of course, I'm about to ask you, though I know you, the answer to this. You know that scene in the The Simpsons when when they're at the bookstore and uh, Bart scans and Lisa scan their books, and it, it leads to a whole like sequence of that 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 signal being traveled. Yeah, because like some... Bart gets a UFO book, and then it turns yeah, out it's just it, it, it turns out it's Al Gore excited that someone's reading his book. Um, that's all I could think about. Like when we when I had to rent this, and then you had to rent this, <laughs> like. I can only think that two things happened. One, our credit card companies put our cards on hold because something's very suspicious. And two, somewhere Vince Vaughn just sort of sat up and said, "Huh?" I, like, I, I feel like I feel like there's like a group chat that Haley Steinfeld refuses to participate in. But like, what's his name, Peter she, Billingley or whatever? She, they... She's got it permanently muted. Yeah, and Peter was like, two people just read it. In. And Jonathan Banks cannot figure out how to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> He's too old. His phone keeps beeping, but he doesn't know what the notification means. And Terrence He's Howard. borrowing his... Yeah, and Terrence Howard's just sitting there crying. <laughs> Terrence, Howard's, Terrence Howard's that guy that keeps talking about irrelevant stuff in the in the text chain you know what i mean like he read a text chain about going on like you know going on like a, a weekend canoe trip and he keeps like texting political articles into it or something You're like that's not what this is for i feel like terrence howard like somehow brings it back to like like he's just really into posting negative reviews of the marvel movies now or he's like iron man 3 wasn't very good he's like i knew it i knew that was gonna happen guys yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, uh, I, I was in, I was in Red Tails with Cuba. Like, you guys, did you guys check that one out? <laughs> oh fuck me. Uh, so Term Life is a movie that's greatest it's, feature. It's a movie. He's got us there. Term Life is a movie that's greatest feature is that every twenty minutes you go, he's in this. That's a, that's the quality of what this. Movie I told Ben it, it felt like there was like a period of time where like all of these people didn't have anything else to do, and like somebody was like, you know, they're filming a movie down the street, and they're like, I could use seventy dollars for a day. They got Terrence a per Howard, diem. Terrence Howard ha- ended up having a bigger part, but for a minute, for a good chunk of this movie, it seemed like he just appeared to be a carnival sheriff. Yeah, <laughs> and, and when Ben says he has a bigger part, that's a stretch, unless bigger part just means watching two older men try to chase each other very sadly. But here's the elevator pitch. What if we took the, the, the all the appeal of heist movies and cut that part out and just put a road trip in the middle? Is that something you'd watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like all of a sudden it becomes like a romantic comedy with Ben or with Ben Stiller. Look, with here's his... the idea: we're gonna do Taken, and then in the middle of it, we're gonna we're gonna get cotton candy and like wander through a carnival for a while and talk about uh, bathing suits, and then we'll go back to Taken at the end. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that what people want to do? Is that well, we'll go back to Taken, like the fourth one, where like he's just <laughs> he doesn't want to do them anymore, but he was like, "Fuck, yeah. why did I sign that contract that said sequels?" Uh, so this movie introduces, uh, so many, like, it's, it's, it's my favorite trope fest in the beginning in a way that is so funny that it honestly felt like it was like a, a, a naked gun movie in the beginning. Like it was so tropey that they were making fun of themselves, but it's not, it's, it's fully yeah. serious. It's, it's, it was wild. With, 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 with the, 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 <laughs> the, the narration dialogue from this guy with a bad haircut into him setting up the heist at 
an aquarium and then him setting up a heist with the same people at a fully different place in a in deep in Chinatown Chinese restaurant almost Less as if like they had they had decided More like they went to Bangkok or like yeah. Beijing <laughs> so there was no other white people anywhere nearby everything was written in, in Mandarin and it's so funny to me because the premise is here is that they're doing a heist uh and so they've decided to just talk openly in different public places about the heist of a police station i don't know why this wasn't just happening in someone's you know house uh, well apartment. my favorite uh, part was they cut to them at the vacant uh, diner <laughs> they, well they 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 cut to hit like the two of them talking in an aquarium and it's not like the like they're at an aquarium and they're like in a side part talking by the fish there's like 26 families <laughs> like so many people are like are those guys talking about a heist they're so close to like one of the main exhibits of the of the aquarium that it, it, it's very likely that, that that someone at any moment might ask them to take a photo of like of their family in front of like the fish tank and in the chinese restaurant it is so fucking crowded and I also have to imagine that they must have, like, like walked, like, 15 city blocks to get there from wherever they were. And, like, had to have small talk on their way about about what it's like to uh, be a heist man or what it's like to, to steal a bunch of, uh, <laughs> steal a bunch of money from a police station. Fascinating. Uh, this is all a big set piece for you. Because this movie's really going to kick off as we have a fugitive-like... As if we have like a fugitive like like uh, a backwards reverse engineering of this movie's central heist so that we can figure out why this character is innocent and have it proved no that's not gonna happen um the the attention to like proving his innocence which seems like it would be the whole second to third act of this movie is instead relegated to the last nine seconds <laughs> of this hour and a half movie yeah I mean it's it is something. The, the thing that's like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it in a lot of ways, like you said, because there is no actual, like, I don't think there's really a plot, is there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's 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 vaguely a plot, which like is the, that... Like, the plot makes zero sense, which is... Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn is a heist setter-upper guy. Not even the heist doer, just the Not guy, the heist doer. The guy who voices over the plan. Yeah. And he sets up a heist to steal evidence for a crime, uh, uh, which he's been paid to do by a cartel. Uh, a, a police officer that then wants to erase the crime? Okay, yeah, so as near as we can tell, <laughs> these cops are crooked. And have either been stealing money from, or... I don't know. I didn't exactly understand this. They they make it sound like they're just stealing money from drug dealers, but then the implication is that they're dirty cops and they're on the take and they have this money that proves they're dirty cops. And if the money disappears, now there's no case because there's no evidence. But it's like they. I, I don't think that's how. Kate, like you know, I mean that wouldn't work if the money's gone. They'd still have all the other evidence that they were crooked. I mean, just the money's gone isn't really gonna. And like the fact that it was stolen. It's just going to make them look more guilty, not less guilty. Because who else could steal money from a police station? It's it's really weird. And it, I don't know. It, it was just... So they need to set this up. And they kill the guys who stole it. And they pin it on Vince Vaughn. So that the 
like cartel drug lord who is the dad of the guy who pulled the heist and then got killed will try to kill vince vaughn and thus like wrap up the case and there'll be no one investigating it yeah it's so confusing of like it would have just been better if he had just like shot the da or something it would have been like at least a more clear-cut plan somewhere in this sequence of cold opens for various other movies oh yeah like ben said, we get movie we get the, six times we get the heist setup we get the heist betrayal we get the the conversations with vince vaughn and his his sort of handler which is mike ermintrout from from breaking bad or better call saul and then we get Vince Vaughn talking about difficulties of raising his teenage... Or difficulties of having a teenage daughter. A strange teenage daughter. And then we get back to him, like, beating, like, uh, 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 John Favreau. Like, I just... We keep meeting irrelevant characters and keep getting introduced into new scenarios and contexts. None of which seem to be a sequential plot progression. But restarting the movie and be like, never mind that. We have a different thing we want to focus on now. By the way, and I'm like, oh, we're back to this? Um, which eventually, like, I think 40 minutes in, finally settles us into the basic plot of the movie, which is that heist gone wrong, cartel mad, uh, uh, dirty cops that orchestrated it, wanted want to tie up loose ends. I don't know what Mike Ehrmantraut is doing. I don't know what John Favreau is doing, <laughs> but they're somehow involved. And then tagging along is Haley Steinfeld, his estranged daughter, who now suddenly has to care about him. Uh, uh, and and this is where we get this sort of like I guess what they thought would be the heart of the movie, as Haley Steinfeld, you know, uh, 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 learns about his criminal father and decides he's pretty cool and wants to, to spend more time with him which i mean i vince vaughn could not be less charismatic in this movie no and also it appears like he's been like stalking her which is really weird but like they play it like isn't that sweet it's like no i don't care if that's his daughter or not he's been like following her around and taking pictures of her and uh uh in the in the early early parts of the movie we're talking like before we've kicked off into any of this like the meat of this plot sequence uh we learn that he's taking out a life insurance policy in a way to sort of try and get a bunch of money to uh to this woman which by the way i mean there's so many more steps to life insurance yeah they, they um, said it was gonna take three weeks which sort of seemed like a weird and then like it never comes up but apparently they were like that's what we should call the movie the scene that lasts for like 20 seconds it's so uh, weird yeah, yeah, the, the the exchange of information about his health insurance that he hopes will benefit his daughter is such a tiny sequence of this movie that barely exists. And what's odd about it is the movie posits to us that, I mean, this sloppy, I, 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 I mean, this disheveled sloppy man who's frequently in blazers with ties loosely out, out of the collar and is wearing the most egregious toupee I've ever seen. This, oh, this, this I, Beatles I, I mop hope. top. Yeah, I mean, it looks like somebody got a wig and ran over it with a lawnmower, and then they were like, eh, fuck it, just put it back on his hands. <laughs> I mean, it's so... They even bring it up for one scene. They talk about how bad it is, but no one else mentions it. So it's just an odd choice to give him the worst haircut I've ever seen. But he seems like a like a schleppy confidence man, and that's, like, the gist that we're given about him. And if that was the bit, that he was this, like, clever, witty guy full of tactics 
that can orchestrate these complex, you know, heists and then let somebody else with, you know, some some physical talents and 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 combat skills and stealth skills and safe cracking skills like actually do the execution that would make sense it would be a fun, kind of a fun like you know Saul Goodman kind of character to follow around but he's this like sloppy like Italian loafer wearing guy uh, that that always looks out of shape and cannot run for his life. And we frequently see him, like, killing five to six members of the cartel at a time. Like, he's well, and just... he's also, like, I don't know, he looks around the room as if, like, he's, like, they're, like, setting up like he's, like, MacGyver or something. Like, he's like, oh, I can use this to do that, to do this. And you're just like, this makes no sense. Like, what is he supposed to be? But if we were introduced into, again, a, a confidence man who knew tactics of manipulation and distraction, and he used those to like weasel out of like captivity or out of different scenarios that he's placed into trick people into following the wrong car, trick people into thinking he went one way and he goes the other, you know, trick people into uh, losing him in the crowd. Cause he changes his, you know, appearance quickly or, or, or does something to like disappear into the crowd. Those would all be interesting things, but no, we discover that he's capable of like gunning down cartel members. Yeah. He's like an excellent he... marksman. It's like, well, why wasn't that your starting point? Despite the fact that he he always looked like he ate like a big burger and fries combo like right before the scene started and he's weighed down by it. <laughs> he looks like too when they cut to him sometimes. Like a lot of times he looks like he's like a used car salesman who's annoyed somebody just pulled up onto the lot. Like he's just like, ah, oh, I gotta go out, try to sell this Civic. Yeah, he, he's... The resale he's, value, uh He's dressed like he's a laser tag manager who's fighting for, like, child custody and divorce. Like, and he's just shown up to court with the only suit he has that doesn't fit anymore. Um, and, and like I said, he always enters scenes like he just ate a full lasagna off screen. Oh, there, there's a scene where, like, he is, like, trying to run from Terrence Howard. And both of them, like, while they're running, you're just like, I feel bad for these guys. I was really worried about both those guys. It was. I don't know if anyone saw like the Irishman, like uh, uh, the, where uh, what's his name is like way too old to still be doing movies. And there's a scene of De Niro. Like there's a scene where he like knocks someone down and kicks him, and it does not look like a tough Italian mobster is beating up someone on the street. It looks like your grandpa like shuffling for his like microwave meal, <laughs> like out of the kitchen. Like he's kicking somebody because <laughs> he just doesn't know he's on the ground. That is the vibe. And it's so sh- it's such a shame, too, because Vince Vaughn is, like, what? I don't know. He's, like, late 40s at this point? Early 50s? I don't I know. I have no like, idea how old he is, but he can't be that old. He's not that old. So so I don't know why he looks so so troubled. Uh, yeah, he's when this came out, he would have been in his late 40s. I don't know why he just seems like he's having a hard time. But it's a, it, making him an action guy was a gigantic mistake in this one. That's for goddamn sure. It, it was definitely some odd... And then, like... I don't know yet. Yeah, it, it's one of those things, too, where at like, one point he's talking about, like, the reason he has his haircut is because it's modern and he can blend in. And I'm like, it's such a terrible haircut. It would only draw attention to you. So it makes it seem like he's not good at it, like what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, you don't think, like, oh, he's clever. You're like, no, this, this guy's really bad. But then they keep portraying him as if, like, he's Jason Bourne. You know what I mean? Like, at one point, he t- there's a scene... So he gets captured by Alizondo or something. I don't even know if that was him or his son. I could never really figure out what the name of the cartel guy was. He gets captured by them. They're going to go kidnap his daughter. He uh, gets away by asking these guys for water in this abandoned office building 
that they're in, which for some reason still has a working water cooler. And then when he gets up, uh, he like grabs the guy's gun and he shoots him and he leaves and somehow gets to the girl's house before the people who left 15 to 20 minutes before him. But they're trying to like escape and he comes up with this plan because he looks down the hall and he sees that there's like a welcome mat in front of one of the apartments, a package, and there's an exit sign. And he proceeds to go and pick up the like the floor mat, the package, and then puts them on the exit door and rips the exit sign off so the guy when he walks by will think it's an apartment building but like he doesn't need to do that because he doesn't know they're there like he doesn't know that yeah i mean at this point they don't know vince vaughn has escaped he went to the girl's apartment she's not there he's not going to assume that like she's probably trying to escape he'll probably just be like oh she's not home she's a teenager i mean it's pretty good chance she wouldn't be at her house but they set all this up and he pulls the fire alarm, which would only make the guy be like, oh, they're definitely here. <laughs> like, it was just so dumb. And it bought them, like, with the amount of time it would have taken to have done, it couldn't have saved them more than 30 seconds. Just forget the decoy cooler. It buys us 10 seconds at least. <laughs> just, just leave. <laughs> he doesn't know you're there. You spent more time coming up with that than you could have just by leaving. You would have gotten ahead of him so much quicker. And this, 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 like, bad, bad MacGyvering, uh, yeah, you call it MacGyvering, and that's, that's the bit, is that we watch a show like MacGyver, or we enjoy even, like, a movie like Taken, because we watch the hero do clever things, um, it's why, it's why The Fugitive is good, right? Like, we watch them do clever things to get out of scenarios where they're about to get caught everyone loved it in you know born identity when, he, when he's like grabs one of the guy's radios and puts it in his ear and then grabs the emergency map off the wall of the, like the escape routes and he's like reading it while they're talking You're like oh that's cool i'm watching him like rationalize this idea out in in in, in real time that's fun i like that uh uh, uh vince vaughn doesn't like we see him grab his daughter's phone uh, afraid that it's gonna give him away and like stomps on it <laughs> once and then kicks Not... it under a stove and says now the phone's disabled <laughs> also like he did not step on it hard enough to even have like broken no. the screen like at best he put a small no. crack in her screen protector but it was like and then later another guy's like all right i got you some sim cards it's like yeah dude that's how phones work just fucking take out the sim card dipshit clearly you already know this why did you fuck this up earlier uh <laughs> it's so and, and that, weird and that's the problem is we never get any of those cool moments like the the whole dummy door situation is a joke um yeah because the, the guy itself, literally figures it out the, the heist itself instantly. is a complete joke uh like all the sequences that are supposed to prove that he's this incredible like witty clever guy who can get out of anything are complete jokes the only moment of interest that eventually happens is is far later into the road trip part of the movie in which vince vaughn is explaining to his daughter what he would the thought process he would go through to pull off a job to pull off a heist and he's like using a random ice cream shop that he's visited as a as a uh, as a pretense and that's good like he makes good points about cameras and what to pay attention to and what's above and below and next door and how you get out and you yeah. know uh a time of day and like that's the kind of cool stuff that i thought i thought might be leading us up to them pulling like a reverse heist to get like evidence of the corrupt cops yeah they like, like put the evidence in their house or yeah. something right it Would've seemed like that better. was the, that seemed like the bit that we were heading for is that we're going to build up all the techniques 
to being not seen, to blending in, to not to avoid the rule two, to 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 know where to go and what you're gonna get and plan ahead and think about security and all this stuff he's teaching his daughter. That fucking never happens. There's an ex- <laughs> there's an extended shootout in which Terrence Howard takes a round through the fucking heart, and at the end they just sort of get the corrupt cops thrown in the cartel's van, and they just said. Well, we're sorry. Because thankfully, when the girl says, why did you choose my dad? He was like, I needed a patsy so that they wouldn't know I had killed the cartel guys. It's like, what if he had just said, because your dad's a fucking loser? Like, their whole plan wouldn't have worked. You know what I mean? It doesn't make an ounce of sense. It was Um, just, like, very weird. But I don't want to blow past an important part of this movie. And by important, I mean useless. Which is that at some point after we've met uh, Mike Ehrmantraut, who's his handler... We go meet a second handler <laughs> who's above the first handler who's the first handler is just on the phone this entire movie that they, they barely spend any time together but this one they go meet it's John Favreau you're wondering what is John Favreau doing here John Favreau, uh, John, is, John Favreau came to visit his friend Vince Vaughn while they were filming and they were like do you just want to play this role this guy's in it for literally six minutes John Favreau's sequence in this movie is, I have an office, let's get in your car, hey, your daughter's 16, can I fuck her? I've been shot. That's that's the the age of consent (laughs) in this state, which felt like a weird thing for Favreau, who's like 45 or 50 at this point. A real dialogue sequence is that John Favreau is playing the handler of a handler of Vince Vaughn. He's he's just playing the guy who gets... Who, who told him about this job he's not even like a handler he's just like a guy yeah, who knows just, something. just an informant he's sitting next to vince vaughn in his dodge charger which apparently teens like uh, by the way <laughs> teens we think it's cool so, so much that this kid is willing to go to jail for driving yeah, yeah. just so he can drive it vince vaughn uh uh is driving with this random guy that he uses to get heist information who turns around two sentences in and says by the way your daughter is 16 and in this state that's consent just saying Anyway, and Vince Vaughn gives him, like, a curt look, <laughs> and then almost seems to ponder it himself, I'd say, <laughs> before, before... And as you watch the movie, you start thinking, I think these two are gonna fuck, and aren't they related? <laughs> I mean, it, did, there's certain points. Did, did, did the movie decide to, to, to have John Favreau be a creep so that we would be excited when he's shot unceremoniously? I, I think we were supposed like, to not later. care. But here's the problem. So when Vince Vaughn gets captured by the cartel... They're like, who who else knew about this besides you? Because if nobody else knew it was just you and my son, then you did it. And Vince Vaughn is like, I'm not going to tell them about this other guy. And I was under the understanding when we were watching the movie, because we weren't really paying that close of attention, that it was like his friend, the old guy. And I was like, oh, he wants to protect him because he knows he didn't set him up. And so he doesn't want to say, this guy told me because they're going to go kill him. Then we find out it's just some fuckhead he doesn't even know who's an asshole. It's like, why didn't he just say, this is the guy who gave me the job. He must have been the one who did it, because I didn't tell anyone. Yeah, and it, like, it, that's it, it. It really confuses so much of the plot, because Vince Vaughn has no allegiance to these people that, that, that gave him info. They're, they're just sort of like it's distant just business guy. associates. It's not his, like, uncle. You know, it's just, it, these are just like, or like, like distant... I said, if it had been the old guy, it would have at least made sense. Cause you would have been like, oh, that's like his mentor or like his friend, but he's never met John Favreau, apparently. He's like met him like three or four times. It's like, well, why do you care? This guy's like a weird order. He set up a heist that ended up with a double cross. I mean, typically. <laughs> yeah. If it's not you, it's probably, but like, typically like you want, if you're doing a heist, you want it to go well. 
So if the heist ends with your entire crew dead and the money burnt, you're just as upset about the failure as anyone involved. And when someone comes asking, why did this go wrong? You would just give them all the information that you had because you have no reason to lie because you also got fucked. <laughs> now there's now there's dead people that the, the, that the cops are going to look into and you're tied to it. That's bad for you too. You would just tell the to the people who are threatening your life everything you knew. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like if you talk you die. It's like, well, I mean, you deal. Do anything. Off just, I go. <laughs> just tell the guy that it must have been the other dude because I didn't. Here's know what I know. Here's how I planned it. Here's who I talked to. Here was involved, and here's the age of consent in this state. Those are the yeah. things that I know. <laughs> here's what I've been told for some reason. It, it's just so weird. What's also fascinating is that this movie has two villains. Bill Paxton's here. And to Bill Paxton's defense, I love just seeing him on camera. I just enjoy him. Mm-hmm. Even you if feel bad, dumb, though, because like, while watching He's this, playing a dumb character. Oh, but this is the end of his the career. sort of uh, the sort of other villain is uh, is is kind of a like like Latin character actor uh, Jordi Mola, who is just someone who appears in movies as just sort of like a sleazy Latin guy. Um, he's playing the cartel boss. Uh, he looks like just sort of a like a homeless guy, or or maybe <laughs> like <laughs> like someone who. I don't know, he just looks disheveled and, like, upset and sad the whole time. He doesn't have, like, a menace to him at all. No, he just seems like he kind of misses He's his bummed. son, you know? Yeah. Um, and the entire movie, up until the shootout at the end, his appearance in the film is either uh, in this old warehouse where he's just kind of milling about before he leaves to let Vince Vaughn kill everyone he knows, uh, or he's apparently in, like, someone's nana's house on their frilly couch just making angry phone calls yeah so like they basically i mean it's so confusing some of the stuff they put in so he goes to a like another cop just like a random cop's house and is like i need you to i guess like feed him information about where vince vaughn's character is and then when they find him he like they call in and this guy verifies their badges as if they're real cops this guy also has a job where he has a mouse and a keyboard but no monitor so we don't know what he was doing with this job but it's like so they're living in this guy's house like holding his wife ransom or his mother i couldn't tell what it was uh until he does this for them and it just seems like a lot and like it's not like he just left someone there like the head of a drug cartel it's just living in this guy's house like making coffee it was just weird yep it it it, it was it was deeply weird and let's not forget this is all over $250,000 yeah like and this guy like they keep implying that he's like this mammoth drug like he runs like a large drug cartel and it's like alright does he that's really like I don't think that's that much money for a drug cartel but confounding plot aside, what we know is that Vince Vaughn has been incorrectly accused of having been uh, a, a backstabber in this whole heist scenario. And so he does the smart thing. I mean, this is the guy who's the heist the heist guy. It's the guy who people go to to, like, rob police stations. One of the most secure places you could imagine in a given Which, city. 
Which the police station has one guard watching the evidence room who walks out because there's an explosion and leaves yeah. the door to the evidence room unlocked. Well, in his defense, the sheriff, the chief of police said, you have two jobs. Watch the evidence room, or if something happens out on the street, just go ahead and run out there. Uh, those are your two jobs. <laughs> just make sure to, to, to prioritize those. Um, Vince Vaughn says, all right, well, I've pissed off this well-connected cartel you know, mob, and I've pissed off multiple members of the police force. That well, he's are unaware dirty at first that he knows that he thinks he's just running from the mob, the drug cartel. Fair, and they but go to just they they he go knows to run he, away. And where would you? He run knows he's got to get out. Well, you got to you, you got to run away. You You're don't want to go Atlanta, Georgia. Where would you go? You don't want to go too far. So you want to just go to a adjacent regional suburb and that's about as far as you need to go yeah you yeah you want to make sure that like you're still touching your taxes are still going to atlanta city proper you don't want to get too because you like atlanta you don't want to go too far they appear to go what is i don't know i'm gonna say 25 minutes away from atlanta yeah i think i think we have a friend who lives farther away from atlanta and his address is still in atlanta he decides that he wants to go somewhere far enough that hopefully the mob can't find him, but close enough that he could still order from the same pizza joint. You know what I mean? Like he's still he also, on delivery radius of a pizza joint he likes. Is, I think is, he is, also is wanted to go far enough to hide from the mob, at like and just go far enough away where there's like an old timey fair, like it's the 1980s, and he's like in the middle of like a Midwest Ohio farm town. Like there's those there's no longer like traveling carnivals. I don't think. I don't think it's really a thing. <laughs> but th- for some reason, they, they 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 decide that this on the run means just posting up in one again this suburb and then staying there. Like if that was like a way station before you figure out your next move, sure. But as far as we can tell, they're there for like just, what seems like weeks. Well, like it also seems like their plan is literally they're just going to stay there. That's where they live now, is in a hotel with. They're staying in a hotel, an and odd like closet door for like shopping the door to the bathroom. And swimming and hanging out with um, um, unnamed teens uh, at the at the very busy motel pool where all the, the teen teens that would have out. been that would have been played by what was that guy from Clueless the one who always played like a stoner in the early nineties I can't oh, think of that guy's name like if, if this had been made back then that's who it would have been uh, uh, the other thing that I love about this whole sequence when they're on the run too is he sets up like. She at one point buys a disguise and she's like, see, I'm going to wear a wig. He's like, no, see, that'll draw attention to you. You just want to blend in. You want to dress the way like the people are going to be. Like, you know, if you go to a Braves game, wear a Braves shirt. And he's like naming stuff. And he's like, and then you got to remember the rule of two, which is we all know is that there can only be two Sith Lords, one to have the power and one to crave it. Different rule of two. No, but the rule it, of two it, it, is... It felt like a weird thing for him to bring up, I have to admit. It's just like out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, I don't really think Jedi are real, but he's like, no, 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 it's true. No, but the act, his rule of two is this, which is uh, you can meet a stranger twice. The first time they won't remember you. The second time something will stand out and they'll be able to remember you, which is bad. But his rule doesn't work because he meets the chief police. He meets the police officer once and the guy remembers him forever. <laughs> remembers him the next day with a very grainy very small photo of like a wanted poster an app that like you cannot tell what it is yeah when his hair looked let's just say a lot different (laughs) yeah yeah where his hair did not look like somebody had cut his hair with like a 
Vegematic. It, it it didn't look like he he had a, a a ska band in like the the late nineties uh, and and has never grown out of that face, you know. And now he's forty five. No. You do not make fun of ska music. <laughs> Ska's you, I am, and it defines me. I'm gonna skate until I die. Um, <laughs> pick it up, pick uh, it up, pick it up. Uh, but this is where we get a tar- great joke. How many rude boys does it take to change a light bulb? Um. Three. How many? One to drop it, and two to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> I don't like you. As a bad joke, or at least it's the the impression that I get. Um, but... <laughs> yes, <laughs> third way ska joke, baby. Really playing to our audience. These young kids remember third wave ska. I'm sure. <laughs> but <laughs> you guys remember the mighty mighty Boston's? <laughs> Oh, I just heard like a loud click after that. Was that just a bunch of people turning off the podcast? No, that was a ton of people hitting enter on a YouTube search. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so that that whole sequencing uh, of, of convoluted plot When are points... we going to start our ska podcast? <laughs> Never. You son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> all, all of this, uh, 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 finally leaves us, um, to, to the, the, the shootout portion of this movie, where we've got Terrence Howard doing way too much with a shotgun, uh, as he runs through barber shops and, and kitchens. Uh, we've got a shootout on the side of the road, uh, between Cartel and Terrence Howard and a bunch of co- a bunch of cops die in this movie. Like, it's insane to me that at the end he's just like, oh, I've been exonerated after, like, this yes. trail of, like, 12 dead cops. What's amazing is, like, the movie wraps up, the Cartel takes the one cop, and then they're like, oh, the money was found in Keaton's house, and now we suspect him of killing all the cops, which we have no evidence of, because if we did, we would have suspected him earlier. But they're like, oh, Nick Bauer has been exonerated. It's like, based on what evidence? <laughs> like, the only evidence you had was that uh, they called in a, that one of the cops had been shot. And, like, you found them and they, two other cops had been shot. But the other guy's missing. So why do you assume he killed them? Yeah, because it's, it's so weird. The bit, if you informed him that, uh, if you informed whoever's looking into this case... That, that we now have all the money and we have evidence that tracks this corrupt cop and his friends back to the, the whole heist and murder thing, um, then uh, uh, you would just assume that, that, that Nick Barrow here, Vince Vaughn, was just a guy who worked with him. Like, he helped him do, do the heist. Why, why is he suddenly freed from blame yeah. by the fact that this guy was involved? It just means that he's also involved yeah <laughs> not, not that it's he's weird exonerated like well a corrupt cop wouldn't have wouldn't be involved with a criminal we all and know like, we all know heists can only be planned by one person so <laughs> it was so and it's like such a throwaway you could tell like the director is like oh we need a line where like somebody tells him that he's been exonerated and they're like okay well just have the guy reading him like a small paragraph on like page eight of the like whatever the atlanta newspaper is called i mean like even though this is something that happened in a very specific part of the world, like uh, in like Atlanta, like I would, it, even living in a completely different part of the country, I feel like I would have heard about this. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. how many cops were killed in the span of like three days? Like, it's a lot. 
and there was like a police station robbery and a, and a van explosion and then like like an entire district worth of cops the entire detective wing of police force in atlanta was murdered and then like multiple sheriffs in some podunk town on the outskirts of atlanta were also murdered in related cartel crimes like this would be the front page story everywhere but vince vaughn is just like Anyway, let's get back to robbing, uh, to, 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 to robbing people at the end of this movie. I know I've taught you, my daughter, to be a criminal, too. And it was, like, odd. It was, like, he was implying that at first she said something about, like, uh, were they going to move in together? Like, was she going to come stay with him? Because she's currently living in her mom's apartment while she's in rehab. So it's, like, is she just, she's, like, a child in Atlanta living alone. <laughs> it just seemed like an odd. But then she's, like, the place where I do my recitals. What the fuck did that mean? I could, that line stuck with me as the movie ended. I was like, what does she mean? The place she does her recitals. Like, I get she plays guitar, but what does that mean? Like, and then she's like, they have the cash register and it's always full. It's like, why would a business leave their money in a cash register at the end of the night? Two, you don't pay to see recitals. They're free. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when you go to like a high school and they're like, you're going to give us $8 for this recital. And you're like, oh, that's weird. It was just such a bizarre... It really, like, really bothered me. I was like, you guys could come up with something better? Like, the place I waitress something? Like, just some sort of follow-up. And then there's, like, a really weird scene. I mean, there's a lot of weird scenes. When they're at the uh, fair, it, it really seems like they're on a date. But uh, there's a point where she's, like... He goes in to use the bathroom after she's in there. And she has, like, six brawls, like, just hung up on stuff in the bathroom. And it's like, why would she have that many brawls? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I get teenagers are messy, but they don't just walk in and take all, like, all the clothes they own and throw them. And, like, a pair of her panties was just, like, hung on the mirror. And it was like, why would she do that? Like, what would be the conceivable thing in a person's mind to be like, I'm just going to hang my dirty underwear on top of this mirror? It was just so weird. And then he's talking to her about how dirty it is. And she's like, well, you know, I've grown up. I'm not a virgin. And then she's like, I, I did it in my mom's bed. I wanted to. And he was like, with like Nick Cannon or somebody. It's not really who it was. But knowing his track record. Uh, and knowing this movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He could have appeared. Uh, she's like, and he's like, you didn't actually sleep with him. You just blah, blah, blah. And she was like, what? Did you talk to him? I was like, is this guy charting his teenage daughter's sex life via like, one of the I don't know, interrogating her boyfriend? Like, this is so fucking creepy. Perhaps the strangest inclusion in this entire thing was this, this, this idea that he has been, since she was a tiny, like, girl, just been slowly stalking her yes, throughout her life. Yes, her around and taking pictures of her. And, like, contacting, like, her friends and people she was dating. Like, if I heard... If you explained this that that concept to me that a estranged uh, uh, you know uh, ex husband and and father um, uh, who had no role in his daughter's life was now following her and contacting her presumed sexual partners I would think I was watching an episode of SVU like yeah exactly <laughs> you'd be like oh yeah this guy clearly did it it's being played by Vince Vaughn the character actor in the show always is the guy that killed it yeah. Whenever there's a celebrity, you know he's the best. Side note, I do fucking love watching Law & Order when they're investigating crimes and it's just they talk to random person, random person, and then they ask Matthew Lillard, who's like sweeping up in a bakery, if he knows anything about it. And you're like, hey, wait a minute. Like, I think, hold on. I think we might have found hey, our suspects. Hey, hold on. Is that Dean Kane? <laughs> that's, gotta, that's gotta be the guy. 
it is amazing like when it is like just like random new york actors and then all of a sudden it's like <laughs> meryl streep you're like boy that's a weird turn uh, suspicious that she happened to be <laughs> i think i don't want to go out on a limb here but i think she might be if only law and order would do that where like at some point it is just they just like have like dean... a really famous person and then it's... it is just like dean kane moving boxes under a delivery truck and you're like well i got this figured out now and then it is just someone totally different <laughs> they just ask him some questions about like his shift and he's like hey man you gotta talk <laughs> yeah. to money over there i gotta keep moving these boxes or i'm gonna get fired even when cops are talking to me about a gruesome murder i do um, love how often in the original law and order the person's like i can't stop working it's like they're the police they're homicide detectives i think your boss is gonna let you take 30 seconds out of a every fucking witness is always doing too much shit um uh, that's my favorite part of that community <laughs> law and order rip off where he's like they go to fat neil and he's like moving all the stuff around in the office it's so good anyways law and order we, we can get on our law and order podcast after this <laughs> yeah uh but, but but what I have to establish to you now, Pogues, is if someone, and this is a very common scenario that I totally anticipate you'll run into it one day, if someone just sort of stopped you on the street and says, hey, you're Pogues, uh, co-host of that hit podcast, Not Another Origin Story, I got a quick question for you. Should yeah. I watch the Vince Vaughn vehicle uh, that went straight to, straight to DVD uh, in t- 2016 uh, called Term Life, where... There's some sort of insurance subplot that never makes uh, an appearance again, and he does some sort it's, of crime, and there's cartels. It is amazing. And... <laughs> it's like the the title at the end. Ben even said to me, he's like, "So why was it called Term Life?" And I was like, "I guess because he got a life insurance policy in like the first forty minutes." It would be like if Die Hard was called Fists with Your Toes, or like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just called like yeah, like Nakatomi Christmas. Or like yeah, it's just like the most random things where there's like, well that there was a scene that took place there. I, it's just so <laughs> it's just like such a bizarre twist. Um <laughs> Like if, if they called Terminator 2 just like arcade. You know, because they <laughs> yeah. went to that arcade for a little bit, like regional mall. Arcade mischief. That's a weird movie. Um <laughs> So, so if this if this theoretical, totally realistic person came up to you and asked, "Should I should I see that flick?" Uh, would you have any recommendation for them? Well, I need to ask a question. Sure, yeah. Do I, do me, I know this person? Yeah, it's me, the person on the street. I'm, I'm, I'm not not no, but I, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. As we often are interrupted by people on the street. Okay, so like I don't hate this person. Sure, yeah. Then I would say no. Don't watch it <laughs> <laughs> under any circumstances. Uh, it's not very good. I mean, the best part of watching the entire thing was how many times me and Ben kept making the joke about the con- the age of consent in Atlanta. I <laughs> because, thought for like, sure it was so going to come pauses. back out. I mean, they, the, they made the, such a meal of it. There's an old rule in cinema, Chekhov's age of consent. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows it. It's a famous screenwriter's thing. It's, it's an extremely common thing, so... I thought for sure we'd be getting uh, we'd be getting back around to to making it relevant. I thought that's how they were actually going to win at the end. They were going to like get a woman to sleep with the cop and be like, "Guess what? She's only 15. <laughs> end of movie." I guess you didn't and read as your age of knows, consent laws, but we yes. all knew. As everyone knows, the age of consent. Gotcha. 
God damn. I mean, it, we also, Ben was brought up when we were watching it. It's like that bizarre scene in that Transformers movie where they spend like 11 full minutes explaining why this guy is like 21 and can date it like a 17 year old or something. I, I, like, I, I, significantly more interesting than this movie is that sequence from the Mark Wahlberg Transformers movie where I think he has a laminated card. He has a laminated card that explains the Romeo and Juliet law, which all I could think was when I saw that scene was I was like, oh, this screenwriter is definitely fucking a mind. <laughs> like, this guy. And yeah. then, like, it's so, I guess it serves zero purpose. Why couldn't they just both be 18? Like, it would affect the story none. There's no reason for this weird. It's so, And, I mean, it is like a lengthy scene it, where it, he explains it. it. It seems as if this the screenwriter for that Transformers movie was being asked something on the phone while he was dictating his script <laughs> into into the script, you know, the script program. And it just, it just picked up his conversation with his lawyer where he was explaining why it was okay that he did what he did. I, yeah, to me, it just felt like he was like, well, if I put it in this movie, that'll justify my actions for all the people who keep calling me a creep. <laughs> it was in a Hollywood movie. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm all set. My God. Would you it's... recommend people see this movie? No, absolutely not. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. It, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad movie, unsurprisingly. I wish I could say, wow, this, uh, this clunker really, really you know, um, was kind of amusing. Or this relatively unknown you know, Vince Vaughn crime movie is actually a, a, a weird... Uh, a weird lost gem but uh it's not <laughs> it's absolutely not yeah you might as well go and watch that weird vince vaughn uh remake of psycho where it's like a shot for shot remake of psycho for some unknown reason <laughs> you remember that that was a thing <laughs> yeah he plays norman bates it was the weirdest thing i've ever seen i was like this is just literally the exact same movie let's go watch less, that instead less yeah not filmed as well and with less good actors uh yeah so i i think i will say thank god we did watch this together because there's no i would have i would have fast forwarded through so much of this movie i mean i've been joking while we were watching and it did make it fun to watch just joking with you but it's like not even i mean we could watch anything and have fun making fun of it so it's not worth it but like thank god we watched this one together because it would have been it would have been a nightmare I, I, I give it, uh, like, two origins out of nine, which is how we typically rate these movies, right? Uh, yeah, the, the, ori- the origin scale. Let's take it up on the old orgy scale. Uh-oh. <laughs> I give this two old orgies out of nine. <laughs> Why is it nine? Uh- <laughs> <laughs>